What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am so pumped for today's show with Susan Cartelia. Before we get into today's show, I want to shout out our sponsor. I am so grateful to partner with Kai's Energy Bars. Kai's are these all natural, only four to six ingredients in each bar. And they're amazing, whether it's post-workout or you just need a midday pick-me-up. These bars have kept me going the last few months. And And the reason that I love this company so much is because I connected with their founder, Jeff. And Jeff is so committed to making an impact in the community that every box of bars they sell, he donates some to kids in Haiti. He's literally making a generational change for the youth overseas. And that is really why I felt this duty and alignment to partner with Kai. So I'm so grateful for them. And they have been generous enough to give this community 15% off their orders. So go to kaisconcepts.com and then put coach Jeremy 305 at checkout so you can get some of these guys. I'm not joking. I don't take or put anything in my body that has any artificial flavors, ingredients. So get on these now, save 15% off coach Jeremy 305 at checkout. Peace. Susan is a nutritionist, yogi, locovore, and fermentation gangsta. She's the founder of Radiate Kombucha and the mother of two young girls. She's passionate about embodying Radiate's mission to cultivate culture, community, and compassion. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Yeah, this is this was one of the most spontaneous <laughs> arrivals. We met what on Tuesday? Uh-huh. Yeah, and we just uh connected. The synchronicities aligned. But the story is really interesting. Yes. Because let's I tell it. emailed you back. So we met and actually I like a creeper saw you on your computer and it's covered in stickers, so I was like here, you need one more and gave you a Radiate sticker. But you emailed me and you were like, okay, let's connect. And the craziest part is the second I emailed you back, I looked up and you were in my face. I know, right? <laughs> so, so I feel like it's perfect. Yeah. So we were at a spot that we frequent a lot in Miami Beach. Shout out to Dirt and Dirt. JJ McDaniel. Um, and yeah. And then I was like, hey, I actually have an open slot tomorrow. <laughs> what are you doing at one o'clock? Let's record a show. And you're like, I'm down. Let's yeah, get it. Why not? I love I'm it. In. Yeah, I love it. So let's jump right in. Why kombucha? I've never met someone so passionate about kombucha. So tell us a little bit about it and how your love for it began. Yeah. So I am super passionate about kombucha, but even more so I'm passionate about fermentation. Mm. That is like the deep love of my life for so many reasons. Uh, nutritionally and also, I guess you could say metaphorically, poetic, all of those other things, um, which we can dive deeper into later. But um, I'm a nutritionist and I've been making kombucha since I was 14. I practiced with my clients and then I just decided to open up a little pop-up shop 
in the Wynwood Yard and I threw the kombucha on draft because I was like, no one in Miami is doing kombucha on draft anywhere. So why don't I just throw it on? And it just took on a life of its own. So that was two years ago. And before I knew it, we're like, I guess we're blowing up. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. Um, let me ask you. So you're 14. You're starting to make your own kombucha. Did you grow up in a household that really valued health, wellness? No. no? Well, okay. I shouldn't say that. Yes, I did. Mm, my mom's Armenian okay. and my dad is Sicilian. And I used to say that I'm 100% Armenian and I'm 100% Sicilian because both of those cultures were very, very alive in my house growing up. And so... Every meal we ate was home cooked. Everything was good quality ingredients. Um, but it wasn't really like about being healthy. It was about embodying culture and tradition and ritual and all of that. Mm. So I didn't grow up in a health conscious home intentionally. Right. But it was. Yeah. You know? But my dad, my grandfather, and my great grandfather were all butchers. Wow. And at like 12 years old, I was like, I'm going to be a vegetarian. Yes. <laughs> and were, they were like, what? I was like, yeah, no more meat, you know? So. And you still are today? Um, I'm plant-based. Cool. I wouldn't call myself like a vegetarian. You know, I've worked hard. Like I've gone through all the cycles of unhealthy eating patterns. And now, you know, I just eat intuitively and I teach that. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of that as well. So fermentation, I know like sourdough bread, for instance, right? Yeah. That's fermented it and is. I'm a big fan of that. Can you talk a little bit about the benefits of foods that go through that process? For sure. So fermentation is essentially like a pre-digestion process. Mm. Um, it's also a process that activates the food. So you have a certain amount of nutrients in our food. Um, like any food, we know once we chew it, right, our saliva starts to break it down. We start to activate enzymes. We start to activate the nutrients. And then as we digest it, certain things are available to us throughout mm. the process, right? Think of fermentation as getting that process started before, like before it even hits your mouth. Okay. So it's a pre-digestive process that not only takes the vitamins and the nutrients and makes them into superfoods, but it also makes them like bioavailable and nutritionally available for us. It's also the oldest method of food preservation in the world. Yeah. So when we look at things um, like how fucked up our food system is, am I allowed to say fuck? Of I say course, okay, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> you can <laughs> say it all you want, Susan. how fucked up our food system is um, and why, you know, I always say that I'm a local vor in my bio. Like our food system is really out of whack and we throw away so much food. It's mm. insane. Um, so if we were just able to take that food that we were about to throw away and ferment it, we could feed the world again. Yeah. So what are other common foods that we ferment? Sauerkraut. Like, right. Pickles. Vinegar. So you have to realize that originally almost all foods were, not all foods were f fermented, but all condiments. So like mm. soda, beer, wine, um, jelly, jam, mustard, mayo, ketchup. Like all of these things used to be fermented. And then what happened is we kind of over sanitized and industrialized everything and it got cleaned up and we no longer have access to that good bacteria anymore that our body needs to break down the food that we're ingesting. Yeah. Yeah. And what, and when I tried, I told you yesterday when I was at Dirt, I had to try some of Radiate. I was like, I need to try some of this if Susan's coming on tomorrow. Yeah. And first of all, I've never seen kombucha that has things like spirulina. And was it chlorophyll? Yeah. 
The green apple has spirulina and chlorophyll. Yeah, so those algaes and those yeah. superfoods that are so beneficial for us. Um, and it was less carbonated. Yeah. Every kombucha I've had in the past is, it's like, it's not that I don't enjoy it, but it's like very strong, right. yeah. you know? And yeah. it's hard to kind of like drink it in bulk. Like mm -hmm. a whole bottle can be a yeah. little much. So talk about that process of having yours less carbonated and what the reason is behind that. For sure. So carbonation is one of those necessary evils. Um, and it's also for me been like the biggest source of stress and anxiety with the kombucha since day one, because I have been like, hardcore anti-carbonate, like carbonating it. So all of the bubbles that you find in radiate kombucha are naturally occurring, meaning mm. we haven't done what's called forced carbing to any of it. Mm. So think of the difference when you drink a beer versus when you drink a champagne, right? Like when you drink a beer, it has all those big bubbles, a lot of head, it fills your belly up, you feel full. When you drink a glass of champagne, it's those like light effervescent bubbles that just kind of go right to your head and you feel kind of more alive and light with it, right? right. That's the difference between other kombuchas and radiate. Mm. So the forced carbing, not only does it affect the pH balance, but it stops the fermentation process, which is why the large companies have to do it because they can't have the kombucha continuing to ferment mm. because you can't sell it on a mass level like that. So what we do is we... All, we, we kind of stop the fermentation process when we can it, and then we refrigerate it. So all the bubbles that you find are naturally occurring byproducts from the fermentation process. Got we actually it. don't add any carbonation at all. Wow. And that really re, like maintains the integrity and the nutrient density of it. Mm. It also creates a less consistent product. Yeah. Which is what like we're always constantly asking our community to understand. Like when you get a really, really high quality product, it's going to have natural variances. And right. that's how you know it's good. So what would the most natural can or bottle taste like? Would it be like very little carbonation, almost none? No. I mean, no. It would be like this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, depending on how fermented it gets mm. and how trapped it is in its container, that's yeah. how much CO2 you're going to have in it. So do more? does more carbonation mean more acidity? It can. Okay. Um, but it depends where the carbonation is coming from, right? So like when it's force carved, it does make it more acidic. Okay. Um, when it's a result of the natural fermentation process, it doesn't, but then it can also spike what what's called the acidobacter is one of the bacteria... Um, kind of umbrellas in it, which is responsible for alcohol as a byproduct. Mm. So that's why the large companies have to add the CO2 because they can't have the acidobacter growing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I know you were coaching clients before you created Radiate. Are yeah. you still doing that? I am. Yeah. I actually, I had to really scale back from it because I have a 15 month old. And when my daughter was born and I was like trying to figure out what the heck I was doing with this company, it all just kind of became too much. So about six months ago, I started accepting clients again, and I'm finding my balance with it. I learned mm. that I need to do it. It's yeah. what feeds my soul. Um, I never meant to start a kombucha company, and I'm not really like – I mean, I'm learning a lot about business, but it's not my natural – Yeah. You know, I'm a natural coach and teacher, and that's where I, I really shine. So that's I'm, – I'm finding my balance between the two now. And were you inspired – did you see a lot of clients coming to you before with like gut issues? Yeah. And is that really, again, what kind of amplified your intention and your inspiration to? Yeah. Yes and no. I've had, like I shared before, I've had a really interesting journey with food. Yeah. Um, any sort of like 
unhealthy eating whatever you could think of I've had and walked through and been through. And it was really fermentation and it's like, I guess you could say like it's poetic sense that taught me how to really cultivate balance. Love that. Yeah. I think that's actually pretty cool. I mean, I'm sure some of those experiences you went through were challenging yeah. to say the least. Um, but I feel like that's also given you a different perspective and level of compassion when working with clients who may have some sort of attachment to food or maybe they have some sort of eating disorder. It's like, okay, you know, Susan's been there. Like she actually gets me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very much like how I approach things. Like I, I, right before I saw you yesterday, I was actually meeting up with a friend and he was like, you know, don't you ever feel like, you know, you don't know what you're doing? And I'm like, yeah, I feel like that all the time. And he's like, so how do you, how do you deal with like not showing that? And I was like, no, the opposite. Like, that's the first thing I show. Mm -hmm. I'm usually like, hi, I'm Susan. I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) at all. So like, that's very much how I approach my work with my clients too. Like, I've totally been there. Like, tell me how it hurts because I've hurt too. And like, let me tell you how I hurt. And that, you know, like once we have that level of trust established, because I'm not putting up any front, like Mm. what you see is what you get. And so it just makes a space for us both to be really just vulnerable and present. Yes. And I feel like that's the complete opposite of what most people are putting out there to the world. They're putting out their highlight reel. They're not really (laughs) showing the struggle or the process. And when you're going through whether it's a fitness or health journey or an entrepreneurial path, it's going to come with its share of adversity and it's struggles. It's so messy. Yeah. It's so messy. Yeah. You know? And I kind of, like, I guess I kind of lead with that. Yeah, I love that. And you're <laughs> handling the mess with fucking grace. Like, every time I see you in the short sample size, it's like smiling. You got the, you got your baby tooth shining. <laughs> and, and yeah, so, I mean. Thank you. Yeah, so. So how- But it's so much fun. Like, yes. how could I not be, right? Mm. Like, people ask me that all the time. Like, how come you're always smiling? And I'm like, how could I not be so grateful? Like, yeah. look at this. Like, yeah. I'm so fucking blessed, you know? Yeah. Not to sound like a hashtag, but like, I really feel that. And mm. that takes up so much of my thoughts, you know? I'm like, I'm so lucky. Yeah. That like, how could I not, you know, just embody that? Would you mind diving a little more deep into maybe a specific moment or time when you were going through one of those struggles Yeah. when it comes to food? One that stands out maybe? (laughs) Yeah. There's like that. Do you remember that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? She's like, I was in an awkward phase up until now. Yes. You know, like I kind of feel like that's me. You know, like it's always been a struggle. Like it's a struggle. I don't look like how, you know, people are supposed to look who do my job in the magazines or in, you know, like how we're raised, you know, like I, I'm short and I'm curvy and all of those things. And so it's really owning that and learning how to not hide that. And, you know, like that's just been a lifelong struggle that's been incarnated like constantly like the the most recent postpartum you know I have a 15 month old and like you know I would love to be like 
yeah, I practiced yoga and I got my body right back. And like, that's not me. I didn't. I practice yoga. I work out. I run. I train. I dance. I do Pilates. I teach yoga. And like, I have a jiggly belly. And like, that's, <laughs> that's just real. You know, I'm yeah. a nutritionist. I eat, you know, as freaking clean as someone can eat. I'm like, excuse me, I'm super on top of it, you know, but that's just not my body. Mm. And so it's a constant learning and a constant humbling. <clears throat> Apparently I'm losing my voice. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I it's think just that's a, passion. Uh, yeah. Speaking. It's a constant humbling and yeah. it forces me to constantly um, do my work. Yeah. You know, the second I stop doing my work, it's so apparent. Like yeah. it's just so apparent because it's my world. And how would those... I guess, insecurities about your body or image reflect in other areas of life in the past? Like, how would that affect the way you showed up in different situations or circumstances? Yeah, well, like, you know, as honest I could, as I could be, like, I've, I've hidden myself, you know, and not allowed myself to really stand in my own power. Mm. And when do you think the flip <clears throat> script, yeah. the script flipped and you really came... And took ownership of that and really stepped into your power. I went through a really terrible divorce. Mm. And terrible in the sense that, like, I was just completely shattered and gutted. And I hit, like, the lowest possible low. Right. Um, and what you do, you know? Like, I'm so lucky to have beautiful community of friends and women around me who just caught me and my family. And, you know, you can only be super depressed and sad for so long before you're like, okay, wait, this is my life. And, like, I can change this. And, yeah. you know, that's when it, it, all, it all started to shift because I, I had no choice but to really, like, stand in my own space because I had no distraction. Mm. You know? You had to face your shadow. Yeah. Confront it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and we were talking about that, but uh, talking about that before when it comes to parenting, how I've observed a lot of parents kind of parenting their children in a certain context that goes back to their own self-limiting beliefs, and I'm just curious your experience. You know, you have a eight and a half year old, and then you have a newborn. What lessons have you learned? What tips maybe could you offer to a young parent or parent to be? Yeah. Don't have expectations, you mm. know? Um, and to be fair, I have a 15 month old. She's not a newborn anymore. Mm. So like I definitely wasn't this put together with a newborn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but the biggest, the biggest thing I think is like, like I said to you before, we have to see our children as our teachers. And like we say that and it's like, you know, a cheesy thing that we all just kind of say, oh yeah, they're our teacher, but like really they are. And you have to respect them. Like I don't, you know, this is the, okay, here's a great story, right? I was in the, I was in the park the other day, Flamingo Park <clears throat> with my girls and I was getting them in the car and there was a woman putting her kid in the car right next to us or taking him out. And she took her son out of the car. He was like maybe two. And he didn't have his shoes on yet. And she took him out and she put him down on the pavement. Mm. And he starts like screaming and, you know, like screaming his head off. Like, ah, you know, like, and she's super embarrassed. And she's like, stop screaming, stop screaming. Shh, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And I look over and I realize that this kid's burning his feet on the pavement. Mm. You know, 
And it's like this poor mother not, you know, trash talking her because she didn't realize. But like that's a perfectly good example of like slowing down and really respecting our kids. Like we have this notion in our society that like kids should be, you know, what is it, seen and not heard and and they're trying to get attention or they're always whatever. And like, I don't appreciate, I don't approach my kids that way. Like if they're acting out, it's for a really clear reason. They're needing something. And so if I satiate that need, they can put that down and we can all go on to be more emotionally healthy, like happier humans. Yeah. But if I just shut them up and don't pay attention, then it's, it's not good for any of us. Yeah. It's, what is the message I'm giving them? Yeah. How do you balance? I'm curious, how do you find balance between like that unconditional love and support and then also like entitlement? So understanding like, okay, this is when I really need to be there and like be gentle and be Mm -hmm. loving. And, and then like, this might be a teaching lesson where I have to show them some tough love. I would imagine that's kind of challenging. I mean, I don't think it's challenging if you're really connected and in constant, you know, in more ways than one conversation with your child. Like Mm. we're so connected, you know? And like, I can tell when, you know, especially my eight and a half year old, like when she's just talking back or being bratty, like, and I can tell her like, stop, that's not cool, you know? Or no, you can't get that. Do you see how hard I'm working? That's not something that's available to you right now, you know? And boundaries are like super important but simultaneously I think when you raise them with that deep like mutual respect Mm. there's a lot less kickback because my kids see us busting our ass like they see how hard we're working they see you know like they have that that humility to them because they're not entitled you know um and so I think it's just like being in constant connection and conversation you know Hell yeah, I love that. And yeah. I think and I think one of the things I've noticed is at the park that I train at, there's a ton of kids and they're yeah. always just like exploring, yeah. trying things, falling down, getting up. And they're so observant. Yeah. Like like if you don't notice, kids are always watching. They have this <laughs> they have this curiosity that I totally. think we can all all adapt more of. Absolutely. Right? Because they're always observing. They're always noticing things. So if they see mom or dad acting out in a certain way, they're going to mm-hmm. think, okay, that's appropriate. That's the right totally. way to do things. So I think them watching you lead by example, whether it's you know in business and health and wellness, moving your body, those are things yeah. they're naturally going to adopt into their life because they're yeah. like, yeah, mom's doing it. Yeah, for sure. So I think leading by example is huge. Yeah. And also like admitting when you're wrong. You know, like I'm not by any means a perfect mom and I'm like definitely sometimes an asshole to my kids and like when I'm just done you know my energy's spent and I take it out on them like and it, mm. it's real it happens and when that happens you know like I give my big girl a snuggle and I'm like I am I was such a jerk I'm so sorry like I had a really hard day and I took that out on you and I shouldn't have yeah can you forgive me and my daughter's like of course mom I love you you know and like it's done and if I if we don't do that, they go to bed with the story of, I fucked up, mm. you know? And I don't, I don't want her carrying my wounds, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not her fault. But yeah. I'm also not perfect. And I don't expect her to grow up and be perfect either. So modeling that humility, too, I think is super important, especially for, for girls. Yeah. Uh, th- both, both. 
I think that's really interesting what you said about like going to bed, telling herself that story mm-hmm. because these stories become the narratives that we grow up thinking are 100%. reality. Yeah. And one of the big ones for me that I that I had the realization of coming to this most recent summer was I was doing a transformational training. I don't know if you've heard of gratitude training. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So one of the nights we're about to leave and the leader of the training says all of the men who have beards have to come back tomorrow with no beard, mm-hmm. completely baby faced. Mm-hmm. And as I'm driving home, I'm furious. I'm like heated. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is she to tell me to <laughs> shave this off? Like, this is part of me. This is part of my identity. I'm not shaving shit off. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, dude, why? <laughs> I was literally contemplating not going back the next day. And I was like, why are you so tripped up over this? Yeah. And as I was shaving in the mirror that night, I started to think about my childhood and yeah. thinking about like when I would get in trouble in school and my dad would kind of put me in my room and I would have to write sentences like, I will not talk in class. I will not talk in class. Oh. So my dad was an amazing dad yeah. and we're like best friends. But that habitual message, I guess, got ingrained in me. And mm-hmm. I thought I grew up with the story that my voice didn't matter. Mm. So when you when you mentioned like the story and the voice, I was like triggered by it because I grew up in high school and college like with that same baby face mentality, like mm-hmm. my voice didn't matter, mm-hmm. right? And then as soon as I could grow a beard, I was like, hell yeah, I'm not that little kid anymore. Yeah. I'm an adult, I can talk, I can speak. So I was really triggered when I had to shave it off. How beautiful that you like spending your days speaking into a microphone now. I know, (laughs) know? right? Way to flip the script, you know? And really like amazing that you had that, that like, you know, push against that. And then you still did it and you showed Mm. up because that's like real true vulnerability, you know, like I'm so mad about this, but like I'm putting all of my trust and faith in this process and I'm just going to do it and show up and see what happens. And like, that's, so brave. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's amazing that you're instilling those values in your daughter already. Yeah, trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? And of course, like, you're going to fuck up like you said. There's yeah. no book on how to be a perfect parent. It's yeah. like every experience is unique and every opportunity is a chance to be better. Totally. You know? Totally. Totally. And like I said, I think instilling like a healthy lifestyle and that communication of honesty and trust and transparency is huge. Totally. Um, I want to jump into the journey of being an entrepreneur and being a solopreneur (laughs) for the most part. And you said like that wasn't really natural for you. No. Yeah. And I I mean, the last two years, like since you launched Radiate and now – just talk a little bit about kind of the trajectory over these last two years. Talk about where you're going now because yeah. there's some exciting things going on. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, Can I open one, by the way? Yeah, please. Yeah? Yeah. That's hibiscus lemongrass. This is – that's flower power. This is piña caliente. It's pineapple, turmeric, and cayenne. Okay. Yeah, you might want to give it like a little swirl. It's okay. You're good. Just sometimes the turmeric settles to the bottom mm. um, because it's unfiltered. So you have all the good stuff in there. You guys got it right there? Oh, I forgot we were on camera. <laughs> yeah, we got that piña caliente. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted <laughs> no, you. No, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's delicious. Do you like it? Mm. Every time still, like I walk into a restaurant or I like sometimes I have like 
I'm like a total creeper. Like I see people on the street drinking it and I'm like taking pictures. I'm still shocked every time. I'm like, people are still buying it. What? Yes. Like that must be such a cool feeling, by the way. It's crazy. Like we're, I told you we're launching in Whole Foods in these next few weeks. And like, I, I don't, I, I don't even know what's going to happen. Like, I just want to go and take all the pictures because I Do don't know it. how long it's going to last. Do be like, be, be like one of those secret shoppers. Like you see someone buy it, you're waiting outside like, oh, hey, like, totally. by the way, I see you got some radio. How, how do you like it? Like, yeah. what do you think of the flavor? Yeah. Is, yeah. It, is it cold enough? Is it flavorful yeah. enough? But okay. So yeah. you mentioned you're going into Whole Foods. Yeah. So the way that I always describe like our trajectory is it's like a snowball rolling down a hill, becoming an avalanche, and I'm running after it. <laughs> like that's, that's the best way I could explain it. And I've literally like had that dream. Like many, many nights, more like a nightmare. Um, because it was never an intentional business plan. So much to the point that like, when I launched it, I was like going to other local kombucha makers at like farmer's markets and apologizing. Cause I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I love your kombucha. I, I didn't mean to do this. You know, I, it just happened. And before I knew it, I had, you know, 150 accounts and it's really just been like one foot in front of the other. And moved into this space. Then we moved into another space. And and then it really got to the point where I had just birthed my daughter. And I had a home birth with her. And I spent the first, like, 40 days really at home with her, uh, mostly in bed. Just, like, healing and doing all the emotional work and the spiritual work. And it was in that time, like, you know, kind of, like, sort of, kind of, sort of running my company from my iPhone when she was napping and, like, um, which is a lot in those first days, like they sleep so much. Um, and it was at that point where I really had a moment of like, what am I doing? Like, mm. I scaled back my nutrition practice. I'm not teaching yoga anymore. I'm like worrying about numbers and sales and projections. And like, that's not how I want to move through the world. That's like scarcity based and like, just not me, you know? And and not to mention, like, um, I don't know if you know that glass is no longer recyclable in Miami-Dade County. Mm, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Since when? Uh, about six months ago. Okay. And by the end of 2020, glass won't really be recyclable anywhere across the U.S. because it's cheaper to import glass from China than it is to recycle it, which is bananas, right? Wow. When you really stop and think about it. So I just had this moment where I was like, I'm contributing to this clusterfuck of an environment, mm -hmm. you know? And when I started Radiate, it was all about working with local farmers and sourcing locally. And like, it's got, it got so big to the point where like, I couldn't work with local farmers anymore because I needed consistency. And, you know, I just got so far from my original mission that I was like, wait, maybe I just want to pull the plug. Like, maybe I want to shut this whole thing down and like, just build my practice again. And, and, you know, and it took like some really, really deep soul searching to like figure out what the next move was. And at that point, you're nine months into the company, right? Like after you had your second daughter. Yeah, about a year. I'd say okay. about a year. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And where were you at in terms of business? Like where were you getting distributed at that time? We, we up until, up until like next week, we are totally self-distributed. Um, meaning, you know, it's just us. Um. And crazy enough, like, we've never had a sales team. I've never done sales meetings. I've never gone places and pitched it. Like, it's all been word of mouth, and it's all just been, like, natural, organic growth. 
I always tell people like, even our business plans are organic. That's fucking. <laughs> there up. isn't one, you know. Like, um, so, anyways, like I had this deep dark moment where I was like, what am I doing? Where is my life going? I have these like two small children on this planet, and I'm leaving them like more trash than they came to it with. And what am I doing? You know. Um, so that's when I really started doing the research, and I just decided like. It was either walk away or go all the way in, you know? And I just decided, like, fuck it, I'm going in. Like, I'm this deep. Like, I think I really have an opportunity here to do some good. Um, so that's when I took out a loan and I bought the canning machine. Um, so the canning machine, we package now in BPA-free aluminum cans, which is said to be the most sustainable packaging on the planet. Mm. Um, what people don't know is that most of these cans are lined with BPA, which is a hormone disruptor. Um, so I pay extra to get the BPA free cans. And then we use a special material that on our, um, outside that can still be recycled because a lot of the cans have like a liner on the outside that can't mm. be recycled. So like I did all this extra work and we pay all this extra money just to make sure that it's like really, truly sustainable. Um, and the idea is to bring it back to its original idea um, with our brand new space that we just moved into a couple weeks ago. Um, they were calling it Fermentation Lab 305. Ooh, yep. let's go. Yeah. Tell us so about it's that. Miami's first fermentation collaborative. So it's us. Like we have our brewery there now. Um, we also have a guy, um, Rohan. His company is called Bee Cultured Tempeh. And he's making this super duper dope, delicious, nutrient dense temp tempeh. Do you know what tempeh is? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, have you do you know Rowan? Be cultured? I don't think so. I gotta get you some. It's I'll come by. I, I wanna stop by for sure. Yeah. It's an owl. Alapata. So yeah, we have that now. We have a few other, we're talking with a few other people who are coming in. I'm gonna bring back um, I used to do really amazing krauts and um fermented nut cheeses and pickles and all of these things. We're gonna bring those back. And we have this really cool space. It's a 3,000 square foot brewery, um, but we're also opening a tap room. So we're gonna build out the tap room. We hope to have it done by the new year. Um, right now it's just a garage, but it's like a huge driveway and I have a really big vision for it. And we're just inviting in like really cool people, farmers, makers, chefs in the community who are really interested in collaborating on fermentation and you know, really like bringing back this ancestral art. That's so dope. Do you think maybe like a restaurant, like making it no, no just like different? My like my big dream is to make like a real fermentation collaborative. So like a place where chefs, scientists, and you know, farmers can come together and really explore what fermentation means and how to really like fix our broken food system. Because fermentation can be made with basically food waste. You know, like the food that the farmers don't sell at the farmer's market, you can ferment that and turn it into gold, you know? And then like what's not used from that gets turned into compost, like the, the leaves and the stems, you know, we put that into the compost and from that we make soil. And from that soil, we can put back into our garden and we can grow the vegetables again. And like when we're creating really nutrient dense, rich soil, we are creating life. You know, like the food that we're eating has been industrially farmed. So the soil is void of nutrients. So it's really just like about closing the loop of our food system. And so, you know, the, the idea is to kind of take the kombucha company and use it as a platform to make this kind of original intention come to life. 
That's so cool. I'm, okay. I'm, I was having this really cool vision when you're going through this explanation because we did a beach cleanup like a month ago and I'm still very new to, you know, like the microplastics and the styrofoam and how all of these things really manifest into destruction and like yeah. just fuck everything up. And like now I'm seeing the big deal about why it's important to get rid of plastic straws. Yeah. Because when we were doing the cleanup, I saw Ugh. there's hundreds of them yeah. and they're so the shape of them. And more importantly, I think it just starts the conversation. Yeah. Like we all of a sudden become more self-aware. Like, yeah. okay, if I can change this one little area or aspect of the way I'm going through life, how can I continue that momentum? Mm -hmm. And what other conscious decisions can we make? Absolutely. So it's really interesting to hear kind of about the details of your can and how well thought out it is yeah. and how it kind of feeds that infrastructure all the way down to the soil. Yeah. Thanks. And, and I will say that like, I'm a freak about that stuff. And like every single ingredient is meticulously sourced to the point that like you asked about our tea before. Um, so we source a full leaf oolong from the oldest living female tea master in the world in Taiwan. And she is running like, a Buddhist spiritually driven tea farm and she's training her four daughters to become tea masters as well. And it's like a vegetarian holistic farm and they like pray as they pluck tea leaves. And like, I know one of the daughters very well. Actually, she's moving to Miami, which is really cool. Let's go. Um, and yeah, it's just like, the point is that like every, every single ingredient is meticulously sourced and you know, we don't think about that. We're like, oh, it's organic. It must be good. But what we don't realize is that like maybe this, this just because it's organic, like the soil it's coming from is completely void of nutrients. And, right. you know, it's like, it's like the quinoa story, right? Like we're like quinoa, it's a superfood. And like everyone's putting quinoa on every menu. And then like in Peru, they can't afford quinoa anymore. And it's mm -hmm. like a native indigenous food and they can't access it anymore because it, they make more money shipping it to us. Mm. And so we don't, we don't think about that, you know? And I, I think that's, people ask me all the time, like, what's the best nutrition advice you could give me? And I tell them, eat locally. <laughs> Go to your farmer's market, meet your farmers. Like, eat from the soil where you live because that's going to provide the nutrients that your body needs to acclimate to its climate. It's going to provide the immune, like the immunities that you need to fight the co the common cold that's in the air because the soil is so intelligent and it adapts to that, right? So like the smartest thing we can do is eat locally sourced produce. Yeah. I love that. And it, it kind of brings me to the point too. I, I recently had this idea and I made a video about it because there's so much information about what to eat, mm -hmm. you know, and there's so much content, so many voices and noise yeah. And obviously it's a case by case basis, right? Yeah. So my idea was we need to focus on how to eat, how to eat. And eat, and eat is an acronym. E means elevate your senses. So smell your food, yes. look at your food, yeah. like build a connection to it. I love this. Notice all the <laughs> colors, right? Yeah. Because that's gonna make you that's gonna make you more aware of like what you're putting into your body. Most likely if you you're doing that and it's like like a cheeseburger from wherever and you're noticing like all of the vegetable oils and mm -hmm. all of the 
grease and the processed bread, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, oh shit, like totally. I'm, I'm feeding myself this, totally. right? And then A is attention to posture. Yeah. You know, so many people, they're slouched when they're yeah. eating, they're scarfing it down. Totally. They're compressing their organs. They're, they're really doing their digestion a disservice. Absolutely. And then T is for think it's a drink. So like chew it thoroughly enough. So when you swallow it, it's, it's actually, yeah. It. So Gandhi, yeah. Gandhi said it best. He said, chew your drinks and drink your food. Love it. Yeah. So I think it kind of, it's all aligned. Gandhi said that? Yeah. So cool. I think so. Yeah. No, he did. He did. It's one of my favorite quotes. He's so fucking smart, man. God, yeah, don't, man. Like he's like, what an OG. I'm sure he definitely drank his fair share of kombucha. Oh, I don't know about that one. When he wasn't starving himself. <laughs> He was doing it. Um, well, and like that's the thing, like that, that in a totally different but totally synchronistic way is like where my passion for fermentation comes from because, okay, do you want to go down a rabbit hole real quick with me? Yes, let's okay. go. So the thing about fermentation is this, right? So you kind of read my tagline before, cultivating culture, compassion, and community, right? So the... The culture refers to like the culture of fermentation. So like every single planet on every single uh, continent on the planet has some sort of ancestral food uh, called per, the ancestral fermented food in their culture. So mm-hmm. like it's the thing that kind of connects cultures together. It's also what we call like bacteria cultures, and you know it's also what we refer to like art and science and all of these things. Like that's culture. So there's a synchronicity there or like a mimicking of the way that we weave together um, how we relate to something is mm-hmm. our culture, right? Um, community is the whole piece about the soil and putting it all together and closing the loop of localizing our food system. But the compassion part is the part where I really like geek out, right? So I always tell a story like this, right? So when there would be native people, indigenous tribes, and they would come to like a standstill or a disagreement, Right? The two chiefs would sit together face-to-face before they went to war. And they would do two things. The first thing they would do would, they would be to smoke the peace pipe. Right? And why do you think they did that? Smoke the peace pipe? Yeah. Well, to get peace, that energy in the air maybe? Right. But like, I don't know. I could be wrong. I think it's to synchronize the breath. Because mm. when we like smoke, yes, we breathe together. And like once we start breathing with someone, we're like at a very different pace, yeah. right? And then the other thing they would do would be to break bread. And this would be some sort of, like you said, sourdough culture or like fermented food. And it's my belief that if we can start to break bread with fermented foods, we can start to share the same culture, colonies of bacteria. Our microbiomes start to mimic one another because we're sharing bacteria, right? And once we start to have our microbiome synced up, we can start to feel more sensitively what one another is feeling. So like what you were talking about before about your EAT acronym, like really looking at your food, if we begin to cultivate a conversation with our food and we ingest these fermented foods, these live bacteria-rich, good bacteria-rich, dense foods, we can start to really cultivate compassion for one another. Mm. And it becomes really hard to butt heads because we start to really feel what one another is feeling. And I think that's like such a big part of why we're so out of touch with each other. You know, once upon a time we ate food from where we live 
and everyone in our whole community was eating the same food. Now we can have a grocery shopping from Whole Foods and we have apples from Chile and kale from Mexico and avocados from Peru and, you know, like who farmed those foods and what was the soil like and what was the mentality of the person when they were picking it? And then it got shipped and it got used fossil fuels, right? And it sat on a uh, shelf in a store and like we're so disconnected that like how can we really share a same feeling, right? Like how can we share the feeling that our food gives us? Because our food isn't even clear on what it's feeling anymore, right? So the idea for me behind fermentation and the thing, like I said before, that really made it all click into place for me was to cultivate compassion. Yeah. And that's where kind of it links together all the work that I do, the yoga, the nutrition, the, you know, mothering, the working with other women, all of that work, it starts to make sense when I start to look at how we can be in direct conversation. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it actually, you just took your mission statement and really magnified it and amplified it in like a whole new direction. Because like the, the culture, I didn't even think of like the bacteria culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I love that. And yeah, like we mentioned in terms of compassion, like the compassion that you've built when coaching women based on your experiences that you can relate to now. So I think that's amazing that you're kind of leading in that way. Um, I'm curious to know, like, where do you do most of your shopping? If it's obviously a little more challenging now, do you go to farmer's markets for the most part? Yeah, we go to farmer's markets. Um, We grow as much of our food as we can, which lately it's a little bit less because things have gotten really busy. I'm a big fan of the the Legion Park Farmer's Market. Where's that? Legion Park. It's like Midtown, 69th in Biscayne. When do they do that? Saturdays. Really? Mm-hmm. Have you been, I'm sure you've been to Yellow Green in Hollywood. Y- yeah. Yeah. There's not a ton of local produce there. So like this mm. is the crazy thing about Miami that like blew my mind when I moved here. Like the farmer's markets don't have local produce. Really? It's really weird. When I first moved here, I was like, wow, this is amazing. There's so much beautiful produce at every farmer's market. And then a couple of weeks later, I was like, wait a minute. This is kale in August at the farmer's market in Miami. This doesn't grow here. Yeah. Um, so you have to, you know, you have to really scout it out. There's a couple of really amazing people doing really amazing work um, in like the the gardening and farming world in our city, trying to really spread education about you know, what grows and where to shop. Um, but again, like that's the, that's the big picture for like fermentation lab 305 to like our little tap room is to, to build that out, to be like a place where farmers can, um, you know, local farmers can drop off their stuff. It's almost almost like a, like a seven day a week farmer's market, right. With like taking all the waste that doesn't get sold, fermenting it, selling that back out and like just closing the loop and building community around that way. So that's, what I like strive. That's like the big picture where I want it to go. Yeah. But yeah, for now, farmers markets, you know, obviously we have to like fill in the blanks with whole foods. Um, yeah. And just wherever, wherever we can, you know, yeah. we just do the best we can. Okay. So I want to know someone listening right now, someone watching right now who might be at the beginning of their health journey. They're mm-hmm. really trying to turn things around. This show's going to air around New Year's. Yes. So people are like, okay, new year, new me, yeah. right? What are three pieces of advice you'd give that person to really kind of kickstart that journey? Yeah. 
Um, number one is like, don't go all in, right? Like, I think that's the biggest mistake that we make. We're like, yeah, I'm going to go like totally vegan or I'm going to do like no sugar. I'm kicking the caffeine. And like people go like it's cultivating this really unhealthy relationship with food and we don't learn to trust ourselves. So really like what I do with my clients is I really try and find that middle way, like that middle path and to um, cultivate trust in yourself around food. Because we've been told that like, we can't, we're not to be trusted. Like we can't do it. I can't cut sugar. Like I, you know, I can't just have a little bit. I'll go, I'll, I'll go overboard. And like, we keep telling ourselves that. So we keep sustaining that mentality. Yeah. But like a little bit of sugar is not going to kill you. Yeah. Period. Like it's just not. Yeah. Your body like knows how to process that and like have more faith in your body. Um, and that doesn't mean you should eat it all the time. Just find the middle ground, you know? So that's number one. Don't go all in. Um, number two, like for everyone, always drink more water. Like all the water, good quality water. Make sure it's filtered. Unfortunately, in Miami, our water is like full of fluoride and chlorine and chromium and all of these really scary pharmaceuticals. So drink really good filtered water would be number two. What are your thoughts real quick on alkaline water? Um, I think it's a really cool idea, but once you take it and put it in a plastic bottle and ship it across the world, it's like worse than anything else. Yeah. You know? There's the there's like the machine. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, I do. Uh, fuck, what's it called? I don't know what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's good. Number three. So don't go all in. Drink tons of water. Eat locally. Duh. Boom. Let's go. Go to the farmer's market. Talk to your farmers. I love that. And that's something I'm going to start doing. I'm committed awesome. to that for sure. Yes. Um, maybe, and I'm, I, I might be stepping on your toes when I say this, instead of don't go all in, because I think if you're invested in your health, you should go all in, but maybe don't go like, all out in terms of like one extreme. Yeah, don't go extreme. I feel like and that- cultivate trust in yourself. Yeah, and you you mentioned it right away, like those self limiting beliefs, that self talk, like oh I I can't do this, or totally. if I have one bite of that, I'm going to eat the whole thing, and your thoughts become things, right? Mm -hmm. And your subconscious mind doesn't have a filter. So if you continue to cultivate these negative thoughts mm -hmm. and self-sabotage, then those things are gonna become your reality. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's so tricky when it comes to food because people from a young age have like these, this deep connection, maybe an emotional tie. Mm -hmm. You know, every time they got a good grade, they got a cake yeah, or something like that. Yeah, for ice cream. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, the more we can start to trust ourselves around food, the more we can start to enjoy and like fall in love with food. Mm. Like a lot of times like my clients will be like, well, so what am I supposed to do? Like I can't go out to dinner with my friends anymore and I'm feeling lonely. And I'm like, no, go out to dinner. Like eat the pizza, enjoy the pizza. And also like before you go, grab like an organic cold pressed green juice and stick it in your fridge for the morning. Wake up, get a sick run, drink your green juice, and have a really like nice, healthy, wholesome breakfast mm. and have a great day. And let the, the, the energy from enjoying a delicious meal with like loved ones, let that be your, your nutrition. Yeah. Like that community is everything. It's everything. Our social right? connections, like, our relationships. Yeah. That's, that's I always what tell we the mean. example of like, I can't tolerate like gluten at all. Like it, I turn into like a chipmunk, honestly. I turn yeah. into like such a puffy little monkey. And, 
But my daughter's like favorite food in the whole world is pizza. And she loves Lucali on Miami Beach. And so like once every few months, I'll take her to Lucali. And when I take my daughter and we go like in ritual and we like bless our food and we go through our whole thing and we like the two of us eat a whole pizza, I'm always fine. Mm. Nothing the next day. Wow. And it's because I've given it that energetic like quality, you know, and like I've blessed it and it's become a ritual and like we're good. No problem. You I know? Love that. And I think that's food is ritual and like food is love. And when we try and strip that away and just make it like fuel, we can't do it. Like we're humans. Yes, true. Um, okay. I've been told that we're over time. Great. So I want to finish with a little rapid fire. You ready? Okay. Yes, I feel like you're going to be so good at this. All right, favorite emoji? Uh, this one. <laughs> what? Okay. In the teeth. Okay, for those watching on video, you'll be able to see. It's the really smiley one. All right. Uh, biggest. No, it's like the nervous teeth. Oh, like okay, that, the nervous yeah. teeth. Biggest pet peeve? Oh, chewing with your mouth open. Okay, I'll make sure not to do that when <laughs> I'm around don't you. Do it. I'll make sure not to do that. Um, book or movie that has impacted you the most? Okay, the most recent, maybe not the most, but like the most recent, Own Yourself by Kelly Brogan. Mm, awesome. Okay, it's your last dinner. Okay, you're going to be eating all the most delicious local food. You're going to be drinking that Radiate Kombucha, all those delicious microorganisms yes. to aid your gut biome before you take your last sleep. Okay, you get to choose three people at that dinner table. Okay, who would they be? Dead or alive, they can't be family. It can't be family. No. My boyfriend sorry. and my two daughters. Mm, what do you sorry. mean? It has to be them. Nope. <laughs> Rudolph Steiner. Okay. It has to be family. It's only family. I'm sorry. I love sorry, family sorry, so much. fam. You can't come with. Oh God. Beyonce? Okay. <laughs> one more. Yeah. You just uh, did. One more. <laughs> um, wild card. Um I don't know. It's too much pressure. Five, four, three. Elizabeth Gilbert. Two. Nice. Elizabeth Gilbert. You, you crushed that pressure cooker. <laughs> All right. Not really. Wow. This was amazing. Susan, Susan, Susan. <laughs> I want to acknowledge you because I've known you for a little <laughs> over three days. And I feel like we're homies. Yeah. I feel so I feel like I to want you. to interview you now, though. Yes, we can. Like, we I can just want to know more about you. It feels very one-sided. <laughs> I know, it is. I want to like, <laughs> dig deep into your life. We can. We can do a part two and we'll flip the script. That would be so good. Or maybe you'll start your own podcast. There are but, talks of it. But I want to acknowledge you for the incredible intention and energy that you're operating your life with. It's so beautiful to see you build this incredible business in such a short time while also raising two daughters in a very conscious way. And I just want to thank you for everything that you're doing in the community. I'm so excited to collaborate and to amplify our impact yes. in the next year. And I, I, I just see so many opportunities for us to do great things together. Um, I wanted to finish with an opportunity for you to kind of plug yourself. Where can people connect with you sure. and radiate? Yeah. Um, you can connect with me and radiate on social media. Um, at Susan Cartelia or at Radiate Miami. Um, Radiate will be available at Whole Foods really soon. So buy it all, please. And come say hi. We'll be demoing it like once a week at every location. So come say what's up. Um, if you want to work nutritionally, 
Um, hit me up, Susan at Radiate Miami, or shoot me a DM. I also do uh, once a year a holistic health coach training for women. Mm. Um, so if you're interested in taking on this work of your own, um, I also certify people as health coaches. So you can shout out to me for that. And yeah, I mean, however I can support, you know, it's all about building communities. So whatever, if I can do anything for you, you or you out there in, in Wonderland, um, just let me know. I'm here. Hell yeah. That's awesome. We'll link to all of Susan's uh, sites, handles in the bio. Definitely connect with her. She is unbelievable. I love your energy. I love your enthusiasm. Yes, yes, yes. My new BFF. And you already know what time it is. It's time to connect with your food and stand up to sitting.